You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As we return here with another episode of Locked On Ravens, I am your host, Kevin Ostraker of Ravens Wire. Stat Hero is the first of its kind daily fantasy sports platform where it's you versus the house in head-to-head fantasy matchups, winner take all. Sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on. Use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. And we returned here on Purple Friday, another episode here of the show coming one day after Thanksgiving. And I am here with our Friday guest here, former Ravens wide receiver, Super Bowl champion, Kadri Ismael. And Kadri, this, this game coming up for the Ravens, it's a big one against the Cleveland Browns in a divisional matchup. How you doing today? Bro, I am still sitting here like, wow, did we just witness another miracle win by the Ravens from Chicago? So I know the Ravens are prepared to move on, but I'm still like, wow, in wow mode of what we saw with Tyler Huntley and the boys going over to uh, Chicago and getting a W. Yeah, and, and what a performance it was overall. I mean, Tyler Huntley finding out, you know, he said right as he was getting on the bus from Lamar Jackson in a text, you know, he's like, go do your thing. And Tyler Huntley went out there and he did his thing a little bit. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't necessarily overall pretty, but he still got the job done. I was overall very impressed with Huntley and how he performed. He completed 26 to 36 passes for 219 yards, led a game-winning drive with a minute and 19 seconds left to secure Baltimore victory. And for a second-year guy, he really hasn't had a ton of NFL snaps, especially not as a starter. It was his first start. How impressed were you with Tyler Huntley in that game? Extremely. To get an understanding of what a quarterback has to go through, the week of practice, you start on that Monday after a Sunday game, and obviously Thursday uh, night game was said and done in the books, and so now you have a a weekend to get some general thoughts. And so that kind of starts the ball rolling as far as, hey, what are we going to do for our install practices? So – for install practice that Wednesday, Thursday, you know, game planning is first and 10. Here's what we're going to do on these plays that we think can work. Here's what third and medium looks like. Here's what pressure blitz pla- uh, package looks like. And so that first team started gets all those reps. You might, if you're a Tyler Huntley or backup, you might get a snap. And that's about it. You don't go through the two-minute offense and the whole flow. Obviously, Lamar was sick, so there were some um, opportunities for Tyler to go in there and get his reps. But in the mind of the rest of the players and in the mind of the coaches, it's still Lamar's show, and so we're going to prepare for Lamar being out there, not Tyler. The fact that all of that took place preparation-wise and they finalized things thinking that they're going to get on the plane and Lamar's going to be fine. Well, Lamar wasn't fine. He was balled up in in his chair and and on an airplane, and he didn't even realize that they had taken off. So his body took a turn for the worse. And from that aspect of it, my thinking is, when did Greg Roman like say to himself, you know what, we got to switch this thing over to Tyler and and figure out like he's going to be our guy. So kudos to Tyler because to get on the bus, like I said. All that preparation that you thought you could have, should have, would have had, you don't. You got to go out there and play, period. And for him to go out there to play, to play the way he did, got into, you know, a tough go at it at first, but found his rhythm and found his rhythm when it mattered most 
under an extremely intense situation as I'm watching it live out there in Chicago um, was remarkable. I, I tip my cap to him and what he was able to accomplish. Yeah, it was very, very impressive. And of course, the most important thing, he did lead the Ravens to the victory after the Ravens defense gave up that crushing, crushing big play on a fourth and 11. A very big controversy point over this past week here, Q, is there are people who are saying they shouldn't have been that aggressive. People were saying they should have been, and they took the necessary risk. I'm interested to hear your opinion because obviously the Ravens go cover zero in that situation. They have no help over top. It's a do or die situation for those cornerbacks. Chris Westry bites on that double move, and Marquise Goodwin walks into the end zone on a big play, as we talked about, that have just been killing this Ravens defense. So, Q, what are your overall thoughts on that play? Do you think that Don Martindale made the right call by being that aggressive in a fourth and 11 situation? Wink has done the gambler's choice so many times and has won. So I said this the other day to a couple of the colleagues, and and I don't think they really, you know, they wanted to, to argue back and forth. I'm like, look, I'm not, I'm not here to necessarily argue after the fact or whatever. What I am here to say is like, yeah, you know, coaches, they have this wiring of what they want to do. Um, for a hot second, let's take it off of the Ravens for a hot second and go over to the Giants. And going over to the Giants, you have an offensive coordinator who's no longer there and Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett was supposed to have his uh, things in order as far as what he wanted to do from a play calling standpoint. Didn't make the proper adjustments. Clearly against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they wind up losing in bad fashion. They had a, uh, a situation where it was a third and two, and they had an opportunity to, you know, advance the ball. And also, I think it was also a fourth down call as well. And the play wound up going. And so when you look back at it, you didn't really have the right concepts for what the defense was presenting it. So that's the offensive side of the ball. And I've seen that before too. Defensively, going back to Wink, Wink, and his mindset has been like, yo, the Ravens, we're going to go all out. And I remember a few years back, um, I think it was against the Browns, and it was uh, maybe it was Baker's uh, rookie year at uh, M&T Bank and C.J. Mosley. It was a scenario where they were driving down the field, and, and, I mean, he was in a rhythm. Well, it was, again, a critical situation. I don't know if it was third or fourth down, but – he went all out, all in, zero blitz. We coming at you. And C.J. Mosley winds up tipping it, intercepting it, and the game gets sealed. That's the personality of the coach. Rightly, wrongly, whatever you want to say as a fan, you can popcorn it as you sit there in your comfort seat. But in their mind, they feel like, hey, I got all this film study I got an opportunity to see what my guys can do, and I believe we can win if we're facing this situation by going all out and doing a zero blitz. So the fan can come back, and I've heard people say, well, I don't really know as much as he does, but I can sit down and tell you that's not going to work. Okay, so if it doesn't work, that's easy for you to say, but if it works, then all of a sudden, oh, great job. Man, get out of here. Under pressure – do you have the guts to, to be able to do what you feel you're confident in your team to do? And for Wink, he did it. I, I, I think he just can't be conservative, and he needs that aggressive 
mindset as a play caller, as a defensive play caller, and, and and so be it. They you live by the blitz, you die by the blitz. And I think the Miami Dolphins are the same way. They're an aggressive defense, like to play a lot of zero coverage. If you're sitting there with a lot of zero coverage, you got this dynamic quarterback in Lamar Jackson, you feel like, hey, man, we could take advantage of it. But at the same time, the Dolphins and Coach Flores was like, look, we're going to ride or die by the way we go, and we're going to go, and it worked to their advantage. So that's what you see when it comes to, you know, just defensive mindsets and play calling. Yeah, in a lot of teams, they live and die by their ideals and what their defenses and offenses identify as. And I think part of the concern for fans who are saying, yeah, they shouldn't have done that, is the fact that they quite literally had three cornerbacks active and the guys on the field, you know, it's not a Marcus Peters or an Anthony Avery, but at the same time, as you talked about, you got you trust your guys and you trust your players to go out in those situations who have practiced all year, who have made plays or have done this or done that, regardless of how young they are, how much experience they have. And you trust them to go out there and make the play. Now, there is the conversation of, you know, did the Ravens go with the do-or-die approach so that they had time to score the ball on offense? Do you think that was any part of it, Q? You know, I think part of strategy with time and and, and what you're thinking, um, we can look back on that and, and, and think that. But, you know, this isn't like uh, the Green Bay Packers going way back in the day uh, 90, I think it was 96 where, you know, you got John Elway, you're going to let them score, you know, so you can get the ball back and hopefully, you know, Brett Favre goes down. I, I, I don't, I don't, in this particular case, I didn't get that sense, you know, did it work out that they had time left and obviously, you know, it, it happened the way it happened, you know, that was really good. But I, I, I get the sense that, um, it was, we're trying to get the ball back period. Let's go ahead and score. Yeah, and that, that is their identity, the blitzing identity. It has worked over these years for Don Martindale. And the Ravens offense hadn't scored a touchdown to that point. You know, they were relying on a young quarterback to really put together a masterful drive, and he absolutely did that. But I, I also agree, too. I don't think it was necessarily their motive to say, all right, if they score, they score, and that's cool. We're going to rely on the offense to take the, the, the ball down the field and give us the victory. So, yeah, you know, it's a very controversial opinion, but the Ravens, I do think they trust their guys. They will live and die by what they have done and have had success with, and I think that's what it does boil down to. We'll head into our first break, though. When we get back, we'll be flipping and talking about the Ravens' Week 12 matchup with the Cleveland Browns, so stay tuned for that, and we'll be right back. No one plays daily fantasy sports to lose. Winning feels so much better, but traditional fantasy sports are a long-term losing proposition because you never know who or what you're up against. Stat Hero is the first of its kind daily fantasy sports platform where it's you versus the house in head-to-head fantasy matchups, winner take all. And here's the crazy part. Stat Hero shows you their lineups before you play and you handpick the team you want to face one-on-one. Why? Because you don't have to compete against thousands of experts or unknowns. Stat Hero puts you in control of your fate with Stat Hero. You're in control of the stakes you decide how much you're going to play for. And Stat Hero has no choice but to take it because they're daring you to beat them. So sign up for free right now at StatHero.com slash LockedOn. Use promo code LockedOn for a 100% daily deposit match. That's a StatHero.com slash LockedOn. Use promo code LockedOn for a 100% match. StatHero.com slash LockedOn. Promo code LockedOn. Terms and conditions apply. We are back. Our second segment of this Purple Friday edition of Locked on Ravens. Kevin Allstriker still here with Kadri Ishmael. And Kadri, I think for this game, this Week 12 Cleveland game, you have to really point to all the games that these teams have played over the past couple of years with Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield at the helm. Two very young and good quarterbacks, but 
both of them now leading teams that are dealing with a bunch of injuries. Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield are both also dealing with things themselves. So speaking of the Ravens offense, we know the situation with Lamar Jackson. He missed week 11 against Chicago. He comes back on Wednesday. He practices and, you know, he says, look, I'm 100%, 120%. And people are saying, okay, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll trust you. But we saw the same situation happen last week, Q, where it was, you know, he said that he practiced on Friday, he talks in the media, ended up being questionable on Saturday, didn't play on Sunday. So obviously we know how big of an impact Jackson will have if he comes back and hopefully he will be able to. It seems like that is the scenario. But for Jackson in this offense, we know about the fast starts and how they haven't really come this year. How important is it for them to get off to a fast start in a divisional game that always have an extra little bit of oomph to them? The fast start has to have the word strong finish towards the end. So you can be a fast starting team, um, gain the momentum, and then somewhere along the lines have sloppy play and wind up losing the game. I hear what the fan base is saying because if you look back at what Lamar Jackson has done since he took over as the starter, they've had like some extremely fast starts. They've put up some points. Like we're not talking – you know, oh, let's just put, you know, Justin Tucker out there and kick a field goal. Woo-hoo. No, I'm talking about, like, they get in the red zone, they're scoring, and they're scoring often. And, and 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 they look really good. This year, offensive line, running backs, um, it all matters, you know, just the way in which their, their offense is kind of like trying to figure itself out. The thing is, now you're talking about going into December and into January. These games matter. And so, yes, to your point, fast start is critical because momentum is king. Momentum is king in the playoffs. Momentum is really king when you're looking at these next three games that will make or break your season. I think these next three games decide your season. I think if you feel you're an upper-tier team, you handle your business and you walk out of it three and oh, you're like, yes, we swept the Browns, period. And if we split against Pittsburgh, we split against Pittsburgh, but they're the better team. The reason why I say the but as far as Pittsburgh is concerned, because it is a division opponent. And as much as you you look at it and think, oh, well, you know, we're the better team. Anything can happen in a division game. And we all know that that's, that's the part of the appeal of playing in a division opponent, you know, kind of roll the dice and see how it all lands. But um, next three weeks, critical. And, yes, a fast start helps your psyche as far as, like, how you feel the turnout of the game can come. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, Q, you mentioned those next three weeks. For Baltimore, it's Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Cleveland. For Cleveland, it's Baltimore by Baltimore. So they are all Baltimore for the next, really, month in Cleveland. How big of an advantage is that for a team, and how big of a disadvantage is it for the Ravens? Huge advantage. Now, it's interesting because you 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 when you play a division opponent, and I right now my mind is going back to, you know, games that I've covered, games that I've actually played in, and from a division opponent, you there's just a familiarity with them. You know, there's, there's that that that. All right, you know, I know this guy. I know him as a defensive back. Yeah, you know, he's going to take a chance, or I know this guy he's going to come off the edge and his rush is going to be x y or z or you know there's their that feeling special teams wise of how things are going to kind of play out and i think for what the ravens 
like to do. They're going to be prepared for sure. For Cleveland, they get an advantage of changing up the predictable nature of things. What do you mean, Kadri? Well, when you look at, you know, film, hey, this is what Cleveland hangs their hat on. We're going to see this. Man, all of a sudden I got a bye week. Hey, fellas, we hang our hat on this. But what if we went in motion and did the same thing? They will never know. And so in that, that's that awesome game of chess. If you get that awesome game of chess, now you can, you know, perhaps steal a, a drive and put up some points and, you know, hope for the best that they don't figure you out. So it's 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 going to be a challenge. I, I really think it's going to be a challenge. And that's something that, uh, you know, John Harbaugh and company, well, I'm sure they're going to be up for it. Oh, yeah. They've shown how resilient they have been throughout this season. And, and to your point, you know, coming out 3-0 in that stretch after having that clear disadvantage for Cleveland, especially when you look at week 14 and having to go to Cleveland and play. It's not like Cleveland's coming to Baltimore for that game. This game is at M&T Bank Stadium in week 12. I think if they can do that, they will set themselves up very nicely, not only for the AFC North crown, but also for potentially some really good playoff seating in an AFC conference right now that is very, very up in the air. But Q, this offensive line has been a very key storyline for the Ravens. And obviously, they're missing Ronnie Stanley. Patrick McCarry is just coming back from his ankle injury. They've kind of gone through some rotations at left guard with whoever it is, Ben Powers, Ben Cleveland, Harry Phillips. They've had some consistency with Bradley Bozeman and Kevin Zeitler, but it seems like just sometimes the run lanes aren't there. In certain stretches, the, the pass protection is just brutal. So now you look at this stretch, five of the last seven against divisional opponents. You have also Green Bay and Los Angeles. You know, is there still time for this offensive line to get on track, or are they just kind of dealing with what they're dealing with until their guys get back next year? You are what you say your record says you are, and right now the Ravens are doing pretty good. You are what your you know, team average is from a rushing attack standpoint, and the Ravens are always in the conversation right up there, one, two, or three. <clears throat> I think for what I saw against, you know, the Bears and what can potentially go on with this Miles Garrett-led team, and I know um, their mindset is might not be as uh, – they're not as passive as the Chicago Bears. I'm trying to think back in the Bears game, a lot of their sacks or some of their sacks came on – you know, some some looks, I think, where guys are either coming off the edge or they just simply said, you know, go get them. And what I mean by that is, is that they just use their, you know, front four, front five guys, and, and that was it. Um, I, I think we'll see a little bit more aggression um, from the, the Browns. And so, therefore, communication is key with when you're talking about offensive line play. I think, you know, the running game, the reason why we haven't seen those explosive runs, again, we talk about fast starts and – you know, what, what happened in early in the Lamar Jackson era, well, the reason why is because they had some exotic run schemes that, you know, a defense was, I call it the pause, and you can't play slow. You can't think in certain scenarios. you got to, you know, see it, react, and go. That's what a defense is all about, and like, ah, let's get it, rally to the ball, ha-ha, we did my assignment, you tried to get me, can't do it. 
with Greg Roman's style as far as his blocking scheme, it, it, it freezes you as a defender. And it's like, wait a minute, is this power blocking? Is this zone blocking? Is it inside zone? Is it outside zone? You know, what are we looking at here? Is it an RPO? Now, now you have kind of basic blocking schemes. And I think that's where it's due to just personnel. Like you got to match your personnel. And, and I think they've done an admirable job for sure. But yeah, like you said, you know, there, there has to be something here that gives as far as the offensive line and, and hold up because right now I mean, they're good, but they're just not that exceptional that we kind of, as a Raven fan base, we got spoiled. Yeah, you know, you go back to 2019 and you see that offensive line with Ronnie Stanley at a high level. You have Marshall Yonda on that offensive line, Orlando Brown coming into his own. I mean, that offensive line and the run game that came of it was just so phenomenal to the point where now, you know, you see the injuries to not only the offensive line, but the running backs as well. You know, that's a huge factor in this where unfortunately Devonta Freeman is not a J.K. Dobbins at this stage in his career. So you're kind of working with what you have right now. And I think, as you mentioned, Q, it is an admirable job of what they've done. But I do want to talk a little bit about Rashad Bateman because Bateman has come into this offense and has really impressed me, getting a huge target share from Lamar Jackson when Jackson is on the field and becoming a big part of what they're doing. He's drawing pass interference penalties. The Ravens have only drawn four all season. Rashad Bateman has drawn three of those. So kind of doing his Torrey Smith impression, you know, as he's been, <laughs> he, 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 he was known for that in Baltimore and so now Rashad yeah. maybe taking the torch away from Tory there but how big of an impact could he have in this Cleveland game now Cleveland has some very good cornerbacks Denzel Ward Greg Newsome they have Greedy Williams too their secondary's a pretty big strength of their team now the stats have been kind of inconsistent for the Browns defense but the, the talent is still there so what can Rashad Bateman do in this game and his second AFC North battle to really make an impact honestly I go back all the way back um middle of the season or late part of the early season, if we can figure that out, when they played the Arizona Cardinals and you saw a clinic being put on where you had DeAndre Hopkins like just catching the ball in a very powerful way and making guys miss and getting up the field and scoring and or just big chunk plays. I think Rashad Bateman kind of has that moxie and that capability to do that. And so for him, the pass interference, that just goes to his savvy of like, hey, I'm about to get this ball. Oh, you got me. And I <laughs> I full on know because I was one of those guys that you were referencing, Tori, I kind of smile because I'm like, yeah, there's an art to it. And if you capture that art, you're, you're easily going to draw a pass interference. You're either going to catch it or you're going to draw a pass interference. And so I think for – you know, Rashad Bateman, yeah, the corners are good, but the corners can be got. And I think that's something that, you know, we need to look at um, closely on Sunday to see how he, as a young player, has matured and seen whether or not he can be, you know, as effective. Clearly, DeAndre Hopkins is one of the best, arguably, in the game. So I'm not going to quite put him on that category yet, but I think he he can, you know, he can he can take a step of growth by looking at, DeAndre and say, huh, what parts of his game can I glean and utilize come Sunday? 
Yeah, and I'm excited to see him in this one, but also it's looking towards the future a little bit. You know, I'm kind of cheating in that area, but, you know, you look at an offense with Marquise Brown and Bateman and Marky Andrews and and obviously Lamar Jackson, and it has the potential to be even more explosive than it's already been, which is a very big statement because we've seen how explosive it can be. So I think Bateman in this game really could make a huge impact, especially if Marquise Brown is back on the field and you have to account for him. And also, obviously, Andrews is, you know, a threat in his own right, so... Lamar Jackson has plenty of weapons to throw it to. Rashad Bateman is definitely one of them. We'll head into our final break, though. When we get back, we'll flip the field, talk about the Ravens' defense going up against Baker Mayfield and that Browns offense, so stay tuned for that move back soon. It's the most wonderful time of the year, Black Friday. Both is going a lot to make this Black Friday weekend the most delicious Black Friday that ever was. In the history of Black Fridays, there are limited time flavors, new types of bars, and a winter wonderland of a deal. You want high-end deliciousness at a discount? All through Black Friday weekend, get at least 20% off anything and everything at Built.com. Enter promo code LOCK20. There are new flavors such as Ruby Chocolate Puffs, Lemon Dip Cheesecake Puffs, and there's a new Built Crave Bar. You can get two of their brand new candy bars, Built Crave, for free. And you can get 20% off of Built Bars and two free Crave Bars all at Built.com. Plus, you can get 60% off of Built Broth and Built Boost and 40% off of Built Swag. Just enter code LOCK20 at Built.com. It's Thanksgiving, and we all know what that means. Football. And nothing goes better with football than turkey and betting. BetOnline is who covered all holiday season. There are more props, odds, and lies than ever before. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the sports action this Thanksgiving. Hit to our new updated desktop or mobile website. Do sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus of promo code locked on to receive your bonus. And it's not just football. BetOnline has pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, even your favorite Vegas casino you know, games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Sports bet online. We're stuffed with deals this Thanksgiving. We return our final segment. This locked on Ravens Purple Friday edition. Kevin Ostriker still here with Kadri Ishmael and Kadri. I think you know the last time these two teams faced off, the defense was the weak point for both teams. You know, every time the offense got the ball, regardless of who it was, everybody was thinking, "All right, they're going down and they're scoring the ball." And this Ravens defense, you look at that game, you look at this Ravens defense and the passing defense for Baltimore has not been amazing this season. The big play is obviously a very, very big part of that, as we talked a bit about in the first segment. But you have a quarterback in the Browns of Baker Mayfield who is playing very, very banged up right now and multiple injuries across his body. And the Ravens could take advantage of that in a multitude of different ways. And I'm curious to hear about how you think they should attack this Browns offense, especially Baker Mayfield, because if they can maybe get him rolling out of the pocket a little bit, making him a bit uncomfortable, it could really be a good day for this defense. So how would you attack Baker Mayfield in this Browns offense from a pressure perspective? Yeah, you know, I, I think first and foremost, uh, the Browns are, are well aware of Baker's limitations. Clearly he didn't play well against the Jets. They get the win. Obviously, there was some controversy as far as his wife's um, reposting a post on her social media and, of course, taking it down. Um, So I think, you know, headspace-wise, they can get to Baker, then it it might be game over real early. The thing is, you also got Nick Chubbs, and Nick Chubbs and company, they run the football. They run it well. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Did we just talk about something about missed tackles? No, we didn't bring that up. But all you got to do is just turn on the film, and you could just see missed tackle after missed tackle after missed tackle, mother of pearl. And that's where the big plays keep coming in. And so I think for this Ravens defense, it's, hey, we need to recognize where Nick Chubb is at. We got to stop the run. We got to stop it at a point of attack, period, end of discussion. 
then you feast on Baker. They're going to do everything they, they can to protect Baker Mayfield. They're not going to put him out there and say, go win the game, because that's not his style. That's not how he operates. So if they can get in those third manageables, I would not be surprised they screen the heck out of the Ravens. I wouldn't be surprised if they did some check downs or flare routes and then try to go ahead with Landry and company and get behind the defense. But it is because of their running game that they're going to have success offensively. That's going to give them uh, the opportunity to, to let Baker take his shots and stop the run. You control the game. Yeah, you know, it's about making an offense one-dimensional, and that really does help out a defense. And so if you can stop Nick Chubb, which is, I think, the biggest threat on the Browns' offense right now, you can really do a lot in terms of limiting Baker Mayfield and what he's able to do with his already big limitations due to injury. But I think, you know, Q, I keep coming back to the big plays, and that's unfortunate, but it's just, it's just such a storyline this season because I know last week we talked about it and we said, is this the week where the Ravens finally stop giving up the big play? And then we see plays of 60 yards, of, of 49 yards, of 23 yards, and it, just, it hasn't gone away. Do you think this is the week where they can finally put that big play monster to bed and just say, you know, we're done with it, we figured it out? And if it is, how are they going to do it? Yeah, if, if I'm if I'm Landry, I'm I'm calling up um, young Jack uh, Jamar Chase and be like, "Look, what'd you do? Why'd you do it? How did you do it? Let me know, <laughs> because you can really look at just the big plays and see from a communication standpoint." Something isn't right when it comes to the secondary and the communication or lack thereof of the consistency of it. From a tackling standpoint, when you have a Bears receiver who's just a guy, and 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 I mean that with all sincerity, but Darnell Mooney, like, okay, but for him to go 60, take it to the house, like, no, that's just it's unacceptable. And I think, um, again, from a pride aspect of things, they got to play with a little bit more sense of urgency, a little bit more of that pride to say, hey, look, we can you know, do what we need to do. We can cover. We can put ourselves in great position. Um, that, to me, is really what's going to spell the difference for this uh, Ravens secondary to limit those big plays. But, again, also, you got to look at Nick Chubb, too, who would, I think, the one-year opening day he had, what, uh, I think, a buck 65 on him. So, again, you, you – you're going to have your hands full. You're going to have your hands full. There's going to be some uh, big runs, big plays as far as in the passing game, but hopefully it's more along like the 30-yard and under variety rather than, you know, 60 yards because of a little, you know, bubble screen to a receiver. Yeah, and screens have been a pretty big issue for the Ravens' defense over the past couple of seasons. They really haven't figured out how to defend them. And look, for a very aggressive blitzing defense, how do you, what's one of the ways you can beat them? It's with the screen game, with the short passing game. And so teams take advantage of that, and, you know, I, I accept that. But I do think that that is one way you can beat this Ravens team. And, Q, when you look at this game overall, I am interested to hear your thoughts on how you think it's going to go because I think with the Ravens already being on one of the division, it's a big game to pick up their first divisional win and kind of set the stage for, of course, their last five being or five of the last seven being against divisional opponents. Now, there are key players, obviously, Lamar Jackson being one of them. I, we talked about Rashad Bateman. Arafe Oh, I, I think, is another big one. He, he showed up a little bit in Chicago after kind of disappearing for the last couple of weeks there towards the middle of the season. So do you think this is a game, of course, with Cleveland coming up just again in a couple of weeks, that the Ravens can pull out at home in primetime? 
I think so. I think, you know, three of the guys that are going to be the difference makers, if I had to say, you know, who's on defense that's going to show up, uh, Tyus Bowser needs to have another great game. He uh, played exceptional. I think Patrick Queen, you know, the fact that he's at the will spot and thriving at the will spot, just playing, not really thinking and, and figuring out things. Um, Josh Bynes, I think those three guys, when you look at the way the, 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 way the defense is kind of – shaping up they're going to need them to play well and i i believe that they can i think that you know that's going to be the x factor and whether or not they get the victory over over the cleveland browns yeah you know for me i think it could be a very close game just because this is a divisional matchup i think you know you can never count out an afc north opponent and this division has just been so unpredictable this season yeah. where it, it, it seems like every week there's like all right we know who's gonna win the north and then the next week that team falls to someone they shouldn't lose to yeah. there's an injury and that's that's not even the afc north it's the whole afc conference right now whereas the team is on top and then for example you know tennessee loses to houston or the ravens lose to miami and everything is like who's the new guy in the afc so I think this is a game the Ravens can win. I think it will be very difficult for them to sweep the Browns. I think it's important they do. But, you know, with the way the schedule played out, you know, it is what it is. And John Harbaugh talked about it before the season. He said some things go well in your favor. Other things don't when it comes to the schedule. This is one thing the Ravens have a disadvantage with. They could be resilient. I think this is a win they pick up, though. I think they'll be motivated. This is a game that I think they feel like they have to win in order to, again, keep their lead in the division and strengthen their lead in the division and go to Pittsburgh on a very high note. So I'll say like, you know, 31, 28 Ravens, maybe Justin Tucker is the difference. Maybe the box was a little bit closer than the game actually is, but I'm going with a three point victory for the Ravens with you. That's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for jumping on with me here again on the day after Thanksgiving. And hopefully when we talk next, the Ravens will be eight and three and still have that lead in the division. Well, I am going to be digesting my food well at MT bank stadium. So I am looking forward to a, a strong Ravens win. Appreciate you having me on as always, Kevin. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Q. When we get back here on Monday after our two-day break, we'll be diving into everything that happened in that Ravens-Browns matchup. So stay tuned for that, and I will see you on Monday.